Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Today, <coughs> tonight, is Tu B'Shvat. So even if the Shir is being recorded by day on Wednesday prior, it's still Tu B'Shvat. Because by Mincha we're not going to say Tachnun. From the Mincha before Tu B'Shvat already we don't say Tachnun. And obviously we don't say on Tu B'Shvat itself. So we're connected to Tu B'Shvat from the day before already. Tremendous simcha by everybody. Tu B'Shvat came out on a Thursday. Comes out on a Thursday. Tremendous amount of tachnon being being skipped. I've said it a dozen times, but it's a cute thing. A cute vertel Three things that would, when the Gentile world would he know about them, but how much joy the Jews derive from it, they would convert just for that. One is when we can skip Tachnun. One is when we sing Ko'ela with the Balkhera. And one is when we correct the Balkhera. When the Balkhera is reading the, Shab- the Parsha on Shabbos, and you catch by a mistake, that's tremendous. You'll hear the person that catches scream, and catch they caught him. So it's a simcha gedele. We're not saying tachnun. It's a simcha gedele that we have two bishvat. Interesting that we say two bishvat and we say two of tesvov. The letter is tesvov. Gematria fifteen. Fifteenth day of the month. Brought down from the Mishnah, why the Shvat and everything else. The Chassidish Ailam calls Chamisha Usa. And they talk about the Chamisha Usa Tish. They have a special Tish for Chamisha Usa. The general <coughs> practice, of course, is to eat fruit. We eat fruits, we make shechiyano fruits, as many shechiyano as we can. We haven't eaten yet this year fruits. It's a yomtif. It's the shoshana for the trees. It's the day that the trees are judged. What's a tree? And we know that it is written, The person is actually compared to the tree. Um, someone saw before, mm-hmm. someone wrote that during Sandy, during Sandy, there was a lot of damage. 
I'm sure there's a lot of people that till today just hearing that it's going to rain get traumatized from what if they what they went through in Sandy especially those that live by the waterfronts that literally saw the swells of water <coughs> flood their houses obviously the insurance companies didn't weren't too happy about it But actually, how lucky were those that actually had insurance to cover it? So there is Sandy, in a certain street, I think it was in Lakewood, where there was a new settlement at the time, which means to say that there were not many houses on that block. And there were several trees planted on that block. Ironically, there were several trees. Some, some of those trees were uprooted and some weren't. Interesting. It's not one side of the street it was, one side of the street it wasn't. Some trees sporadically got, tore up, got torn up by the roots. And some didn't. <coughs> they started to think, to look, and to delve into spiritually or mentally or physically. My high. What happened here? That these trees were spared. They found a very interesting thing. They found that there were certain trees that had an automatic irrigation. They had a little system, a little sprinkler system, whatever it was, or from the water from under the ground, and they got its own water every day. Then there were other trees that didn't have that to rely on. Teva Elam. They have to rely on the nature. The rain, or people actually watering the water, the, the tree. No. Guess which ones turned over. If you guess the ones that had automatic irrigation, you're right. Why? When they're irrigated, on its own, and they, they receive water constantly, not on its own, from the outside source. The roots grow into the ground, but they don't fortify themselves properly, because they don't have to go looking for water, looking for nutrients. They're automatically fed. But when a tree has to feed itself, has to look for its own it digs that much down, it digs deeper into the ground. And therefore, it was more, it was more solid, it was planted itself in the ground that much deeper and that much stronger. The roots of a tree, Kiyodamei represent emuna. 
belief in God. The tree itself, then, is a plant, a tree that grows, a tree that has a bark, it has the body of the stem of the tree, then it has the branches, And then it has the leaves and its fruits. A tree also, interestingly, gives off pollen. But you'll see plants that give off pollen as well. You find the bees that go into the, the to the plant to the rose to get this to derive to pull out for pollen. When it gives off this pollen, it gives it off to other places. And those places automatically wild growth, as you call it, will develop. Either a tree itself, or grass, whatever it might be. Yes, ultimately, when you want a tree, a sapling, you have to plant a seed, etc., all the process behind it. But the tree itself, the roots, the amuna, the body itself, and then the fruits that it bears. This is a yomtif of the trees. Chamisha asar be'ov. Also, what is significant of Chamisha Asr? The 15th day of a month. On the Hebrew calendar, there's Rish Chodesh. Then there's the days of the month, the head of the month, Rish Chodesh, the being Aleph Chodesh. And then you have the days of the month, as they may go. And then you have the end of the month. Now the Jewish, the Hebrew calendar is a lunar calendar which goes according to the lunar cycle. The lunar cycle shows us a very interesting lesson. Unlike the solar where the sun is constantly the same status, I mean not that we look into the sun much or very often, but the sun is one big, round, full ball the whole time. Whereas the moon, at one point in time, towards the end of the month, is gone. You don't see it at all. I'm not talking about clouds. And then we have what's called the Mela, the birth of the month, of the moon, where the moon re- begins once again, and starts up again, the new month, the new cycle. Excuse me, on the 15th day of the month, the moon is full. This full moon represents the fullness of the Jewish Kirchus, the Jewish nation. 
And therefore, the 15th is such a special moment. It shows the Jew the hope, the despair that a person, Chazashalom, had when the Levana went away at the end of the month. The Mailid, as the month begins to again rejuvenate the new month, the new moon, as we call it. <coughs> and then as the days progress, we see it get fuller and fuller. This is the Yamtif of Tubishvat. This is the Yamtif of the fifteenth day of a month representing the Jewish nation in such a beautiful and profound way. This week, we're going to learn Parashas B'Shalach. Uh-huh. Try to figure that one out. 13 minutes into the year, I finally remembered to talk about the year. Parashas B'Shalach. Wow of a Pasha. And in order to top off the wow of the Pasha, we have a Haftarah, which is a wow of a Haftarah, two psukim longer than Mafti Yena, Avim Kippah. Vayhi B'Shalach Parei starts off, Parei sent the Jewish nation out of Egypt. And they didn't leave Egypt, and Parai immediately regrets. He regrets, and therefore, he gathers 600 soldiers with horses and chariots, which had miraculously still survived all the plagues that went down in Egypt. According to some of Farshim, the simple, simple explanation is when they were told that there will be a plague against the animals or whatever it might be, and the animals would die, these people took and hid their horses. They protected and hid the horses, so that's why they still had these horses. Mitzrayim Bechal is very famous for horses, and that's why the Teir has a, a, a prohibition against a king, a Jewish king, should not add horses. Should not have many horses because if horses were bred in Egypt, so if a person would have a lot of horses, they would go to look for the quality stallion, and that would bring them back to Egypt. And one should not go back to Egypt. The Mitzrayim chased the Jews. The Jews get to the Yamsuf. The Yamsuf splits. The Jews come out on the other end and the Egyptians drowned. The Jews are introduced to Mon, introduced to the Musik, to the concept of Shabbos Kodesh, and ultimately Milchemes Amalek the war against Amalekites that heard the Jews came out and they wanted to battle them to show everybody 
that you could still fight them. They're not as great as you make as you think they are. All right. That, as we say, my friend, is the Pasha in a nutshell. Let us try, in the few moments, short moments that we have, to dissect and to benefit the most possible from this Pasha. Beginning with the first words, Vayihi b'shalach pareyasa'om, we know Vayihi is a lotion of Tsar. Lushen of pain. Whenever it says Vayihi, it means something bad happened. Vayihi bimeach hashverish. At the time, in the beginning of the Megillah, times were very hard on the Jews. So Vayihi is a very sad moment. What was so sad if the Jews were getting sent out of Egypt? And some of Arshan tell us, Vayihi, it was sad because Bishalach Pare. The Jews, who not all of them just wanted to pick up and leave. They left only because Pare sent them out. Pare threw them out. Come to the Amsuf. To the behind them were the Egyptians in pursuit. To their right and to their left was a desert. As they looked up above, the angel representing Egypt was coming, descending down upon them. And in front of them was a raging river. Things looked very bleak to say the least. And the Jews start to cry. So they start to cry, call out, scream out to God. Moshe stands in praise. So let us first begin with Moshe's prayer, and then we'll talk about the Jewish prayer. Moshe How should we put this? When a child comes to beseech of their parents a request. It could be a blurted out cry. It could be a drawn out complaint. It could be an eloquently delivered request. Needless to say, that eloquently delivered request Gets further. It makes a bigger impression, a better impression. Eration, as we call it.
Therefore, when you have an average Jew sitting and praying, and let us say he understands every word that he's reading, and let us, let us say that he understands all the intentions that one needs to have during the prayers. Let us say he has all the devotions, as you say in America, down pat. An average Schmobagel person davening. He doesn't. HaKadosh Baruch hears him out. And uh, his prayer is answered. But we don't understand that we're not judging, we can't judge and we can't be the, the um, referee, shall we say. To say whose prayer is better and whose prayer is worse. We know the famous, famous story of the Balshem HaKadosh of the little boy that came to Davin and Shul and he couldn't read. But he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd boy. And the shepherd boy would be in the fields with his sheep and would hear them bleat and would hear them bleat in different tones and as a shepherd devoted to his flock he picked up shall we say the language of the sheep he had to pick up to understand if they were hungry or if they were thirsty or if they were tired He also, at night, having to watch over the flock, making sure that nobody attacks it, no wolf attacks it, understood the cry of the wolf. And as sensitive as he was to the bleat of the sheep, as caring and as loving as he was to the bleat of the sheep, if his sheep, Shepsila, would ever, even as much as krecht, his heart would be torn for it from it. What impressed him more thank you for the sound effects was the cry of the wolf. The owl of the wolf sitting on a cliff or deep in the forest. Cause you heard from that cry, from that bellow, from the way the wolf belted out that sound, you heard a cry out to God. It's really getting unfair. You heard it. So this little boy came into the shul of Hashem on Rosh Hashanah and saw the chassidim davening with fervor, with fire in their eyes. 
You could hear from the words how their hearts were on fire, where they were burning. And he got caught up in the moment, as we say. The emotional drain of what was floating in the air was so powerful to him. But he didn't know how to daven. But only when he did know the sound, he knew. The shepherd boy, so simple as he was, the sound that he knew that calls out to Hashem, and that calls out and says, Hashem, my Father, help me. That sound he knew how to repeat. And that sound he started to call out with. And sitting in the back of the shul with the chassidim davening, all of a sudden he was howling like a wolf. Chassidim wanted to pound him. Not really. They were chassidim of Hashem, they're not going to pound somebody. But they were not happy. They were very, very hurt that somebody could do that in the middle of the davening of the Vashemtavs. They wanted to escort him out of the shul. Oh, no, 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 no. And so the video has frozen once again. Sorry for those on the video. I can't not finish the story and wait for the video to go back on. And so, the Chassidim did not know how to deal with it. As they were trying, about to take him out, the Bashem said, Wait, stop, do nothing to this child. Understand what this shepherd boy just did for Klal Yisrael. Understand how significant that cry of the shepherd boy is. That shepherd boy's cry tore apart any decrees that were destined to to be against the Jewish nation. Really need a new computer. And this, the Vashem Tov said, the sincerity that came from the depth of this boy's heart was more powerful than any of your prayers. So, dear children, understand the Vashem Understand any other tzaddik that you know of, I'm talking about the big children, and then understand Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu davening. This is a whole new level, as we say. Moshe Rabbeinu davening. He had a full... A, a direct connect track to the Ebishter. 
his davening was so more, so much more potent and so much more valuable to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But yet, as Moshe stands and prays, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Vayemer Hashem HaMoshe, Ma Tzak Elai, what are you doing screaming here to me? Talk to the Yidin and let them go on their journey. Rashi, the champion of the Benchamesh, the Mikra, says, We learn from Yeshua, was standing in Davani. It's not the time to stand and learn davening. To daven at length now. She is the Sunni Batsara. The Bnei Yisrael are in a, in a terrible, terrible dilemma here. They're scared, they're petrified. You don't belong davening. You need to do. tremendous lesson for us as great as the Tfilas of Moshe were as holy as they were his beseechments his prayers his I forgot the word okay his Tfilas HaKadosh Baruch his supplements, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, stop. This is not what I'm looking for now. I need you to go save the Jews. Stop your davening, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As sweet as it is to me, as great as it is to me. And he says very simply, he says very simply, if you're going to continue with your davening, and that time itself, Dabar al Yisrael, at the very same time, she'll be talking to B'nai Yisrael. And raise up your stick, pick up your staff. Save the Jews. At that point, the Pu'ula, at that point, doing what needed to be done was to be David of Israel. 
not doing, not depriving them of this by your davening. And therefore, since it was time to actually go out and save the Eden, therefore that overrides, supersedes anything else. So much so, that for the saving, for in order to save, it wasn't enough that you have a permission to stop the Daven, but rather a command, Matitzakelai. From here we learn a lesson for each and every one of us. If Moshe Rabbeinu was taught this lesson, so much more so us, to save a physical Jew, physically or spiritually, is so important. We need to stop everything else that we're doing. No matter how important we think they are. As the Lushan is, when the child of a great literature of was told, I just don't remember who it was, I don't want to quote wrong, to go take a package to a poor person. He said, Can I wait till I finish this sugi that I'm learning? Because I just finally got in the handle of it. He was told that when a person needs to do a teva for a yid, and he closes Gemara to go do this favor. It's as if his Gemara is still open whilst he's doing the favor. Whereas if one needs to do a favor for another Yid and sits with the Gemara instead, that open Gemara is as if it's closed. So, doing the favor for Yid supersedes the learning and the davening. So an interesting story. I'm running late against the clock. A fellow is a very hard-working man. Long, put in long hours, long days, long nights. One thing stopped everything. There's no work, there's no money, there's no nothing in the world that can give it up. His daily shear. He had a daily shear that he would go to. And they were up to a certain blood gemara. And the Magashir was giving the shears for years already in the shearim. And therefore, there was archived shearim. So you can get this daf in the recording. And that night his brother was making a wedding. So was that a dilemma? Do I give up my shear to go to the wedding or not? So he went to the Magad Shear and asked him, what should I do? Magad Shear knew that this fellow was serious. Was sincere, was sincere, never missed a shear, and when he sat there he didn't doze off. He sat and listened to the shear and he soaked in every word. He knew the guy meant it. 
So Magashir told him, there's recordings of this daf. Take one of the recordings of the daf and listen to it in the car. You listen to it on the way there, on the way back, and you'll have your shir. Fellow felt, okay, the rabbi is telling him, he means it, must be true. And he gets in the car and he goes, goes to the wedding. En route to the wedding, unfortunately, this slow-moving vehicle was in front of him. The slow-moving vehicle in front of him, he didn't know what to do. He wanted to get around it, but it's uh, one lane. So he was, can't just pass it. But it's going to delay him, he might miss the chuppah. And the Bible is listening to the Shia. He decides he can't. He's going to miss the chuppah with this guy. He's going to pass him. You hear? He's going to pass the truck. As he starts to go into the other lane to pass the truck, he hears a siren. Whoop! He's, oops, the cop caught me doing this. So he quickly goes back behind the truck. And he closes his eyes so the cop shouldn't see him. And very inconspicuous, he drives the rest of the way to the chasana. Oh, as he, but as he continued on the road, I left out the best part, a bus was coming in the other direction. Had he changed lanes, he would have gone chasam head on of that bus. Whoops. So they were still. The, the policeman saved them. Because instead of hitting the bus head on, he changed back lanes. And <laughs> Punished. No policeman bothered him, but he was saved. On the way back from the Chasana, he decided he wanted to re-listen to the Shia, because he was anxious, listening to, to the wedding and everything else. He was worried he didn't hear everything. So he listened to the Shia again. As listening to the Shia again, all of a sudden, the policeman came again. And he hears the siren. Yep. He looks to his right, he looks to his left, and he looks behind, he looks in front, there's no policeman. It was on the recording. The police car must have passed by the, the shear and hit the siren. So the shear had the siren sound. The siren sound kept him back in his own lane and saved his life from sitting and learning Taylor. Okay. But the Yidin was screaming. Why were they screaming? Didn't they believe in Hashem? So they were doing what's natural to a Yid. It's not shot that they were doing it Natural to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, we learned that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, when they had a tzara, they cried out to Hashem. And this is the nature of a Yid. They cry out to Hashem. They don't just complacently sit and let things go and figure out their own way. I'll leave you with a question, Abba Yisai. 
They learn about the about Shabbos, and they're told not to collect the money on Shabbos. Not allowed to collect the money. So came these people who wanted to show up the whole world, and they go out to collect money on Shabbos. To collect the money on Shabbos, they had to take plates to go do it. Now they found no money, so they didn't carry money in. So the cheder, it's the good. They didn't do aveda, but they do do because they have to carry out the plates. Also, what kind of people were these to carry to go be mechal Shabbos? So that question doesn't really sit. I know what kind of people they were. You know what kind of people they were. Because the mon had three stops. Either it came to your door and it was ready to eat, that was the tzaddik. The average either had it by his, almost by his door and you had to prepare it. And the rasha had to go out of the machna to get it, bring it back and prepare it. So who was going out looking for the man? They were obviously they were a shayin. So what's the shak that they were looking for the man on Shabbos? May we find our man. May Tubishvat be the yamtif that brings us to the gula mitzvah Good Shabbos to all.